You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Don't be all else to me, save that thou So I've got a little story for you tonight. See if you remember this one. One bright morning, a fox was following his sharp nose through the wood in search of a bite to eat, and he saw a crow on the limb of a tree overhead. This was by no means the first crow the fox had ever seen. What caught his attention this time and made him stop for a second look was that the lucky crow held a morsel of cheese in her beak. No need to search any further, thought Sly Master Fox. Here is a dainty bite for my breakfast. Up he trotted to the foot of the tree in which the crow was sitting and looking up admiringly. He cried up, Good morning, beautiful creature. The crow, her head cocked on one side, watched the fox suspiciously, but she kept her beak tightly closed on the cheese and did not return his greeting. What a charming creature she is, said the fox. How her feathers shine. What a beautiful form and what splendid wings. Such a wonderful bird should have a very lovely voice indeed, since everything else about her is so perfect. Could she sing just one song? I know I should hail her the queen of birds. Listening to these flattering words, the crow forgot all her suspicion and also her breakfast. She wanted very much to be called the queen of birds, so she opened her beak wide to utter her loudest call, and down fell the cheese straight into the fox's open mouth. Thank you, said Master Fox sweetly as he walked off. Though it is cracked, you have a voice, sure enough. But where are your wits? Recognize those stories? Did you read them to your kids? Maybe had them read to you when you were young? Aesop's Fables, yes. There's lots of there's actually a whole wonderful website dedicated to them you can go to. It has all of them listed. But you know, you know a lot of them, the lion and the mouse, the goose and the golden eggs, probably the most famous one, right? Um, all of those wonderful stories whose purpose is not strictly speaking didactic. They're meant to teach. But they don't teach in the same way that little Einstein teaches or Dora the Explorer teaches. Those are the kind of things that kids watch today on television and whatnot, um, or Sesame Street or something like this. Those are meant to impart information. These stories take characters we all know and love. You get to know the fox quite a bit. He features in a lot of them. And less about teaching information, they're about teaching wisdom. Okay? They're meant that... The child listening to them, or the group of people listening to them, oftentimes not just a child, because these stories were often told in group settings, everyone together listening, were meant to extract from it a bit of wisdom that we can carry off and apply somewhere else in our lives. Um, so what would you, if you had to, if, you, if you're filling out a standardized test like my kids are about to do, the PSSAs they've got to do soon, what would the moral of the story be from the one I just told you? How would you sum it up? Don't fall for flattery. Don't fall for flattery. Yeah, good, perfect, right, yeah, yeah. 
That's a great, a great summary. That's the, 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 the website has it as this. The flatterer lives at the expense of those who will listen to him. So, uh, wonderful, wonderful things. You know, it's interesting that in our day and age, we are, seem to be less concerned with forming our children in wisdom than once we were. These were the kind of stories that everyone knew once upon a time. And we're less concerned with it in ourselves as well. Bible studies often impart great information, but wisdom is a different kind of thing. It's not mere data. It's applied knowledge. And there are five books of the Bible that are grouped in what they call the wisdom literature. This is, the, the Lord values wisdom so much we've got a whole genre dedicated to it. Five in a Protestant Bible, seven in a Catholic Bible, because that's based on the Septuagint, which was probably the Bible that the apostles read. Um, we have the books of Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Solomon, okay, that are in our Bible. And then the apocryphal books or the deuterocanonical books are the Book of Wisdom and the Book of Sirach, which is sometimes also called Ecclesiasticus. So you have this whole genre dedicated to helping us become wise. And wisdom is more than mere knowledge, as I said. It's the ability to apply that knowledge and to recognize a situation in which it can be applied. Um, I'm going to pick on Michael for a minute. We were talking this weekend, uh, as we often do, just in my office. I can't remember if it was before or after worship. But you were telling me, at what age do you begin to consider the opinion of of a child? Thirty. (laughs) Thirty. And um, if I get your, your words wrong, you can correct me. You're here to do it. But, you know, because he said at that point they're having enough experience to go with the knowledge so that it makes the opinion more worthwhile to listen to. It's not that a younger person can never get it right. It's just, but that's, sometimes it's more the, um, what's the old saying? Even a blind pig finds an acorn every once in a while. I mean, that was true of me when I was young. The older I get, the more experience I have to hang. I don't have, I don't have tons more knowledge than I had maybe when I was 25, but I do have a lot more experience to hang it on. And so we, wisdom is something that's harder earned than knowledge. Knowledge you can memorize and spit it back out. But wisdom, you need to internalize so that when you get in the situation where it's applicable, it's there to be drawn upon. Um, It's slow growing, and let's put it bluntly, it needs a lot of fertilizer to come to fruit, if you know what I'm saying. (laughs) In my own experience, I don't know that I've grown much wiser. But I hope I'm listening and learning. I want to read to you. I don't often do this to you, and for that you can give thanks. But I love poetry, and occasionally there's a poem that just grabs me, and it's, it's held onto my imagination for a long time. In T.S. Eliot's play, The Choruses from the Rock, these are the opening lines sung by the choir. It's a Greek chorus kind of thing. It says, The eagle soars on the summit of heaven. The hunter with his dogs pursues his circuit. 
O perpetual revolution of configured stars. O perpetual recurrence of determined seasons. O world of spring and autumn, birth and dying. The endless cycle of idea and action. Endless invention, endless experiment. Brings knowledge of motion, but not of stillness. Knowledge of speech, but not of silence. Knowledge of words and ignorance of the word. All our knowledge brings us nearer to our ignorance. All our ignorance brings us nearer to death, but nearness to death, no nearer to death. No, sorry, no nearer to God. Where is the life we have lost in living? Where is the wisdom we have lost in knowledge? Where is the knowledge we have lost in information? The cycles of heaven in 20 centuries bring us farther from God and nearer to the dust. T.S. Eliot was not only a great poet, he was a devout Christian and I believe truly had the spirit of prophecy. Listen to those words in the middle again. Where is the wisdom we've lost in knowledge? Where is the knowledge we've lost in information? He wrote this a good 80 years before the internet existed, folks. In our hyperlink culture, information's easy to get at. But God values wisdom. And if we don't want to get caught in the downward spiral that Eliot addresses in this poem and sees as the fate of the modern world, he wrote this right around the time World War I was about to commence. We have to do things differently than the world around us. And first and foremost, we have to slow down. We have to not be in a hurry, not rush to the link to find the information, but plow through the paragraphs so we can learn the wisdom that that information is embedded within. We need to be Mary's and not Martha's more. And I think maybe most importantly of all, we need to invert our culture's obsession with youth. I don't say this because I'm almost 50. <laughs> I suppose it makes it easier to say. I'm not, so I, not why I'm saying it. I love this poem from the time I was in my 20s. But the scriptures value wisdom, and wisdom takes a lifetime to earn. One of the great things that, that I experienced when I went to visit my wife in Scotland, back before she was my wife, um, was that when you go to... A, at least that part of Europe. I don't know about the rest of Europe. She knows more about that. But when you go out places, they don't warehouse their old people. They're pe- they're, when we would walk through the parks, and, and we climbed, there's, a, there's an abandoned, vol- not abandoned, what do you call it, dormant volcano in the center of, of uh, Glasgow, of Edinburgh, excuse me. We climbed up that, that mountain, and, um, and there's people in their 60s and 70s tromping around up there with us, you know. <laughs> And they value their opinion instead of the newest and greatest and latest thing. They value what a lifetime's experience may can make, make them bring to the table. Um, I think in doing this, we remember that when we stop to be Mary's and maybe a little bit less in a rush to get where we're going, that Mary sat at the feet of Jesus when the church fathers read Proverbs 9, they saw in it a foretelling of Jesus because Jesus is the wisdom of God.
become one of us. If we're looking for someone who has some experience, he says, before Abraham was, I am. To listen more carefully, carefully enough that it goes deep in our bones and when we need it, we can apply that knowledge. To listen to the voice of Jesus and feel his restoring touch upon our souls. If we were to do that, more. Maybe we could escape the cycle that Elliot has addressed so, so adroitly. Maybe we could be, bring more light and less heat to the conflicts that tear our world apart. Will you join me for a word of prayer? Mm-hmm. Gracious God, we thank you for this time in the middle of a busy week to simply slow down focus upon your word. We thank you for the gentle lights and the stillness that even reveals to us the sound of the wind and the rafters. And uh, we thank you for the opportunity to pay attention to your word again. Let us heed the call of wisdom, O Lord, calling us away from our foolish preoccupations to attend to her voice which is in fact his voice, the voice of Jesus Christ, our Lord. In his name we pray. Amen. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Be thou my best thought in the day and the Keep your sleeping that prayer.